Welcome to In the Making. I'm Selena, and today we are talking about lament with Andy Smits and Jessica Chan. I'm super excited to have them uh, on the show and talk about lament. Um, but a little bit about them first. Maybe I'll share a little bit about you guys, and then you can share a little bit about yourself if that's okay. But uh, what I know of Andy, he is the national director of Power to Change Students, but he's also your you know, normal human who is fun. And one thing that I know is that sometimes in his video calls, he has a great backyard background because he actually seems to have a really great backyard. And I really want to party there one day with him. He seems like a fun person to party with. And then Jessica um, works at UBC and she actually lived in Panama for, was it a year or two years? One year. One year. Um, she's married, has children. Andy also is married and has a buttload of kids. I don't know how many kids they both have. I'm guessing three, three and four, something like that. Okay. Jessica is two. Andy is four. Okay. Um, and, uh, Jessica is a fantastic artist. If you were at P2C plus last year, you would have seen, um, a few of them maybe, right. Or just, was it just the one of Jesus walking on water? Yeah. Jesus walking on water. Yeah. And on Facebook, I've seen a few of other pieces and she's really interested in art therapy which is really cool and I think has a place in the lament conversation as well maybe we'll hear about that maybe we won't I I don't actually know Um, but anyways uh, what why don't you guys introduce yourselves a little bit what is something fun about the two of you Jessica you can go first something fun about me (laughs) I think it is the art piece maybe I enjoy it. I love leading people in art. I have led a lot of paint nights, which is a great way to build community. Yeah, I think that's the fun, more fun part of me. Do you have a favorite color? Do artists oh, have favorite you know colors? Artists love all colors, I think. I I just love when color hits a canvas, any color, even white. I, I like that too, now that I, I'm picturing like a splattering of color all mm-hmm. over something, whether it's white or not. Anyways, uh, Andy, what's something fun about you? I never know what to say to these kinds of questions. Um, I, I love playing volleyball. Um, I love good coffee. Um, I like my life in the city. We do have a kind of a fun, tiny little backyard that uh, we've managed to carve out as a little oasis in the midst of a busy city. So I, I do love that. All good things. I actually, I'm on the coffee note. I made Turkish coffee today. It's my second time making Turkish coffee in my life. I don't know if you guys have had it. It, yeah. it was better this time than the first time I made it when it was just all grainy, like the entire thing. But I'm, <laughs> I'm learning how to perfect Turkish coffee. That's like my goal for the summer since I couldn't do sourdough. So I moved on to Turkish coffee. <laughs> it, it seemed easier than sourdough. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. I resonate with that element of just kind of grabbing hold of ideas and uh, and wanting to do them. I started roasting coffee a couple of years ago. So I was like, oh, that just sounds like a cool hobby to have. And I managed to do it for about a year before I realized how tedious it was to roast coffee. <laughs> yeah, that's the seven in you giving up <laughs> once it's tedious. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I understand as a seven myself, and that's why I gave up on sourdough. So there you go. <laughs> Anyways, today we're talking about lament, um, so it's fun to talk about art and coffee and all those things as well. 
And um, how would how would the two of you define lament in your own terms? I think lament is uh, a form of worship, a way that I connect with God, a way of Him giving uh, more of Himself to me, and me giving more of my authentic self. Lament has definitely taught me that that I need God more than anything. I resonate with that element that Jessica talked about, uh, bringing my whole self to God. To me, lament is the idea of actually bringing uh, that part of me that's frustrated, angry, grieving, hurt, being able to bring that to God. To me, lament reflects this idea that I can bring not just my joy and my thanksgiving, but I can bring my grief and my sorrow my frustration and anger, uh, my disappointment, that those are also emotions that I can actually bring to God and process with God, that I can actually express my frustration. Uh, and that actually in lament, there's a there's an encounter with God that's, that's different and unique from what might happen in a, a song of celebration or a, a moment of joy. I, I agree with that in that like, it's me being authentic with God. I think God is also close to the brokenhearted. And I've seen that so much in Lament. And a verse that really speaks to me in that is like Matthew 7, actually, when God talks about, well, father among you, if his son asks for a fish, is going to give him a snake instead. Um, so you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And I always thought... Oh, of course, God's a good father. He'll give good gifts to his kids. But it's actually the best gift ever. God wants to give me his Holy Spirit, which is himself. And there really isn't any greater gift. (laughs) And when I'm crying out for something, I just know that how much more does my father want to give himself to me, um, meet me in those spaces. Yeah, I think you guys touched on so much, the deals with lament and um, already. And I think that one of the things that I think of lament is that it is a way that God has given us to express our grief and anger, but not to just yell it out into a pillow or to just like bear it, bury it deep down uh, inside of us. But um, in, in scripture, he's given us a language to express our disappointments, our grief, our anger, our loneliness, our discontentment, um, and to take it to him knowing that he is this good father, like you said, um, and really have him enter into our pain as we maybe even enter into his pain in the things that make him upset or angry in this world. There's there's something there that I find about lament that ends up being quite comforting to me is that oftentimes like God is actually there before I am and he's actually drawing me to be sad about the things that he's sad about or angry about the things that he is angry about in the world, not just my own sadness or anger. There's sometimes a commonality there that I find. Uh, And giving that language, like the Bible gives us words of how long, O Lord, um, that I think is is very helpful because I often struggle to express my sadness or grief. I like to just be happy and move on, but uh, I have said this before, grief just doesn't care. And it just sneak attacks you. And if you don't deal with it, it'll surprise you and slap you in the face and say it's here. Deal with it. And 
often I'm like, I don't, I don't want you here, but it's just, you know, you're in the middle of the grocery store and all of a sudden you're sad about something that's bothering you. And luckily I'm not a big, like loud crier. I'm just like the silent crier. Uh, so it's not super embarrassing, but it still feels very vulnerable and I don't always enjoy, I definitely do not enjoy that feeling of grief um, and the way that it sneaks, sneak attacks, you know? Yeah, I resonate with that idea of <laughs> grief feeling like a sneak attack. Uh, my natural tendency is to live a little bit too much in the future um, and to not pay attention to what's happening necessarily in my own heart in the present. And oftentimes <laughs> grief is a, Grief feels like it sneaks up on me as, as I'm thinking about all the things I'm going to do or that I want for this next season. Um, it's something that sneaks up on me that I don't, I don't naturally go there. And if I'm really honest, I don't want to go there. I don't want to go to grief. I don't want to go to lament. I prefer to kind of live in some idealized future in my mind. And, uh, and yet, I think, like you said, with without going to that place, without going to grief, without going to lament, um, it 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 creeps into my life in uh, in unexpected ways and and surprises me in the ways that uh, yeah that that it shows up or the ways that it um, becomes a, a hindrance to different things that are going on, um, the ways that it becomes a barrier or a block to uh, to actually being present. Yeah, you kind of touched upon a little bit of like the why we lament in that. Um, but I'm wondering if there's more thoughts from Jessica for from you, Andy, on, on why should people lament? You got this, Jessica. Why should people lament? I think there's a profound need inside of all of us. And that's why God, and it's throughout the Bible. Um, there's a whole book of lamentations. And when I personally didn't, know how to lament and then came into a season in my life where I had to I really had no choice I didn't actually know how to relate to God I I was stuck it was like how do I how do I talk to you now when the way I've always talked to you no longer makes sense and learning how to lament was like a whole new language with God that I think we will all enter into seasons of pain in a time where we need to lament and we need to know how to relate to God in that time. We all really need uh, a space in which we're very authentic with God and able to, yeah, lament. <laughs> yeah, again, I think there's something significant you're, you're getting at there, Jessica, around, um, in my experience, of... Um, I think I've maybe thought about it in terms of there. If my if my house is uh, if my if my life is a house, um, there are a certain number of rooms in that house where I would say are, are good places to meet God, and lament hasn't been one of those places in the past. And yet it's a place I need to go, but because I haven't appropriately known how to meet God in that place, it it, it grief ends up being a very lonely place, uh, a place where I, I mean I think I. That, that language you used of stuckness resonates with me. It's, it's a place where you can feel like, okay, I, I know this is the right place for me to be. I have no choice but to be here. There's, there's difficulty, there's frustration, there's grief that I'm facing right now, but I don't know what it means to meet God in that place. I know how to meet God in the place on the other side of grief, but, or, mm -hmm. or, or grief, but I, I don't know how to meet God in this place. There's a room in my house 
that is a significant room that I've never really thought that would be a place, a room where I could actually sit down with Jesus and meet with him there. And we're all made in God's image. And I think he laments. <laughs> and so it's really, it's a part of being who God created us to be. Uh, there are many times where Jesus weeps and we see God uh, lamenting or relenting evil. <laughs> it's like, why did I make them? Why did I? Um, yeah, where he is truly lamenting. Yeah, and there's something, oh, that's such a, that's such a good thought. I mean, I just, because there's something in me that maybe has assumed that um, so much of my faith has been lived out of my head, uh, out of kind of the, just the rational place of like, I know what to do with like the, the thoughts, but the, the emotions haven't always felt like a place where I can actually encounter God. And yet Jesus comes in the flesh, takes on a body, takes on the, doesn't take on, he, he carries the emotions uh, of God with him. And uh, anyway, so there's something, yeah, I, I resonate with that. There, there's something so significant about recognizing that part of what it means to be made in the image of God is that we actually have emotions and those emotions aren't the interruption of our connection with God. They're also mm -hmm. a great place for us to encounter God. We, we don't just meet God in the, the safe place of my, my polished thoughts, but, but I meet God in the place of raw emotion because th that's part of who God is as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I've definitely, I can resonate with that too. I, I've definitely been told that I like to think about my feelings versus feel my feelings. And so um, with sadness, I'm like, oh, this is why I'm sad. And so because I know why I'm sad or um, I can just like easily get out of it, essentially. It's like, you know, I know why I'm sad. And now that I understand it, I can move on or see the bright side of things versus oh, totally feeling that sadness. And that's such a foreign concept to me. I remember talking to an elder of mine when I was just like a ball of confusion because I was apparently feeling sadness and loneliness. And I just didn't know that that's what I was feeling at the time. And um, his encouragement to me was to choose sadness every day and to use the language in the Bible to cry out to God in all the things that are frustrating me, all the things that I'm feeling. And it just, I was just like, what do you want me to do? Like, that sounds one, awful. And two, like, what is, what's the point of, of choosing that? Like, I couldn't understand, like, why would I do this to myself? And I'm like, I just, it was so like outside of everything that I knew kind of thing, like this idea of choosing to be sad um, because I think I, I rush to hope, I rush to want to be comforted um, in the moment and instead of going to God in my sadness or I'll go to God for like two seconds in my sadness and like, okay, let's fast forward to this like and just jump to joy. Um but then I kept getting sneak attacked by the grief. <laughs> and, and so uh, I did actually find that that turning to God in lament um, did become this worshipful practice uh, where I met with God and was comforted by him in the process. Um, and it did become very healing, though it felt almost tedious to choose sadness at the same time. Like I didn't necessarily enjoy that process, though I see how good it actually is for me. Um, 
Yeah, I do want to hear more about your stories. Like it's, it sounds like all of us have gone through our own lament stories um, and of God leading us to this place where it wasn't necessarily a part of our life at one point. And then we were all like, oh, like this has existed for centuries and centuries. And it's not really a part of our North American culture. So it feels really foreign, but God really, it seems, led us to lament um, out of his goodness and care for us as well. So um, yeah, who, who'd like to go first? I, I'd actually like to add a thought to your previous one. Sure. Um, just that I think we don't only do that to ourselves, but we can sometimes do that to each other as well. Mm-hmm. In that, like, I know when I had a profound need to lament, um, I don't think people saw my tears in the church service as like worship. And I think the response was like, oh, the gut response from some people was like, oh, let, let's go like help Jessica feel better. Instead of almost like I wish people would approach it like, wow, look at her worshiping God with her lament mm-hmm. and enter into that with me. And in that space, I think it's like the way that Job's friends originally responded, <laughs> that they just sat with him um, and and not jumping so soon to find, figuring out all the conclusions or like at, trying to find all the answers or even asking God for all those answers, but really um, just meeting with them in that that space of worship that might look different, might be uncomfortable. Like they don't even want to go there, like Selena was saying themselves, but like it can be so healing. God can really meet you there. Mm-hmm. That's such so. a great thought, Jessica. I, I'm just totally with you on that. I'm just processing kind of my experience in church as well at different points where I think I felt, uh, I think I've heard or uh, by, maybe by osmosis, I, I don't know how I got this, but I think at different points uh, I've internalized this idea that those negative emotions are a threat or a, or, or a barrier to connecting with God. And so I think for myself and the way that I, I can unwittingly view others is thinking we need to get past that so that we can get back to a place of joy or, or whatever it would be. So I I love that picture that you're painting of being able to say, no, no, actually there's honesty and vulnerability in bringing all of ourselves to God. And and that's, that's a full picture of worship that uh, anyway, I, I just so resonate with that. I need to hear that. Even, how I ended up in that season of needing to choose lament was partially because I had seen some things that, that kind of shocked me in life. Um, and I felt lonely in it where I was like, okay, I, I saw these, like the reality of sin in the world come out of people. And it had this residual effect on me because I was living in community with these people. Um, but then nobody wanted to enter into that hardness and that um, that sadness of the situation and the loss of friendships that came out of it and the pain of sin. And, and it left me feeling quite lonely, actually. Um, and that, that was like a part of why I needed to go to lament was that, that nobody um, was really entering in to it. Uh, and I think that there's healing in having other people join in in the lament as well. Um, but yes, let's go back to hearing your stories of lament. I can start. Uh, I guess uh, lament sort of it, it interrupted my life. 
um, the need to lament anyway. I mean, my husband, he, he went to see the optometrist. It was just a routine thing with our two-year-old. And when she looked into his eyes, uh, she saw that there were blood vessels bursting at the back of his eye. And she knew right away that he had leukemia. And quite suddenly, like, with this huge interruption in our life, um, and people don't even realize how much it can interrupt things. Even today, like, it's difficult for us to travel because you can't get health insurance. So it's, it's like suddenly I didn't know how to relate to God either. And we didn't really go to church on Sundays because I couldn't really meet God there. I felt like I had to cry, cry, cry. I don't know. You guys just kind of get it off of my chest and then maybe I could go to the worship service. Um, my lament, it didn't seem to fit in with the singing or the clapping or listening to teaching. Uh, maybe it fit in with the communion sometimes, but that time was really short. And my regular devotions, even the way that I practiced them, like reading, journaling, listening to a song, I just couldn't do them. I couldn't... Uh, Everything just felt really inauthentic and like I was so lost in how to relate to God. And I had so many questions and things. I didn't know how to process it with God. Um, I remember a dear friend of mine, she invited me to a house church lament service and it was quiet and dark and I could escape into a corner if I wanted to. And they welcomed people to do that. And there were long pauses of silence and people were actually gathered around bowls on a table that had water in them to represent how God bottles our tears it had these visuals and it was, yeah, just the teaching was different and, and that it was just incredibly relatable and people were just given space to be angry. The prayers, they didn't look like, you know, like Jesus, please heal Felix, which of course, like I appreciate those prayers a lot, <laughs> but the prayers were, you know, like, God, this sucks and we hate it. And where are you? And why does this hurt so much? And just a lot of silence. And I realized, wow, this is how I can talk to God. Can I do this? <laughs> and there were a lot of questions. But more than anything, I think what I really needed in that space was permission. That this was like an act of worship. That this was okay. And um yeah, uh, that's what I needed more than anything was permission, really, that we were we were worshiping God, we were together, we were, <laughs> and that was sort of where my lament journey began, where I was like, I need to learn more about this. I love that idea of needing permission as well. What, what do you think, why do you think you needed permission to go there? It's like everything I'd seen modeled seemed so different in the way that sometimes we sing or, yeah, the way that I'd experienced church, um, the way that I'd even been taught to do quiet times. Uh, yeah, I needed permission for it to be something different and that I hadn't seen it modeled. And I think sometimes we get this idea too that anger is like sinful in all forms. Mm -hmm. And we think that, oh, if I'm angry, then I must be angry with God if I'm questioning him, which maybe I shouldn't do. And then we, we really start to wonder like, where's the line? Where's the line? And get so hung up on it that we're no longer authentic because it's like, I just really don't want to sin. So I like, how angry can I be? Or it's like, actually I can, God knows how angry I am. I don't have to try and fake anything in front of him. Um, and I needed permission to just be myself. It's like, it's okay. You can question, you know, there are very much so, 
anger-filled psalms <laughs> where God is definitely questioned. <laughs> I think of even Job, right? He just, he very much so questions um, God and has questions for him, and yet he's seen as righteous by God despite having questions as well. Andy, what about your story? Would you mind sharing it with us? Yeah. Um, probably three things helped help me or pushed me into this uh, into this area. The first one, maybe to echo something you said earlier, Selena, you talked about that idea of uh, of needing of, of thinking your feelings rather than feeling your feelings. And uh, the way that God started me on a journey of lament was actually through a seminary course that I was taking, um, which which really helped because it wasn't a particularly difficult season of my life. But it helped me actually think deeply about the the place that that lament would play, uh, or that lament could play in helping me deal with grief. And it was a course on kind of resilience in uh, resilience in the life of a missionary, or something like that. Um, and they made me do all these things that I was terribly uncomfortable doing. Uh, most of them being art therapy techniques. I think Jessica. I'm sorry to say. Uh, but it was just like totally outside of my comfort zone of like, today you're going to go and draw a picture uh, and <laughs> submit it. And I was like, oh man, this, this, this is, this is totally outside of my head. This is, <laughs> this does not feel safe. But uh, so they had me doing all these things and they, they, they actually taught a bunch on lament and how to walk through the book of lamentations and reflect on the place of God in the book of lamentations. And why is God so silent? And, pointing out that maybe God is silent because he's actually giving space for our lament. He's actually giving space for us to express our frustration and hurt and disappointment. Not long after that, I found myself in a season where we were going through a very difficult time in ministry. And um, I was trying to lead my team through kind of a, a ministry situation that was imploding. And uh, we were trying to figure out after kind of 15 years of, of working on a particular campus and working, working in our French ministry, trying to figure out how do we do it differently because something we're doing isn't working. And it was a really difficult season with a bunch that was going on in our team and in our own lives. And at the same time, we were all trying to figure out um, how do we move forward? Like, how do we come up with a new way of doing ministry? Um, while at the same time, having to admit that what we had been doing previously wasn't wasn't working. And we had all invested so much in, in that project. And, uh, and we're trying to figure out what, what do we do now? And I remember after we, we would have these long meetings as a team where we would sit and wrestle through these big questions of what do we do and, and what went wrong. And I remember after one of these meetings, uh, particularly difficult meeting, uh, one of the, one of the people on, the, on my team came to my office after and kind of came into my office and closed the door and said, Hey, how are you doing? And I said, and I said, uh, you know, I'm okay. That was a hard meeting. Like, uh, you know, it's going to be okay. Like, we'll we'll try again tomorrow. And, and he said, no, 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 really. Like, what are you actually feeling about, about what's going on? And I just said, I'm heartbroken. I'm so disappointed and frustrated and scared about the future because we're undoing everything that I've spent 15 years working on and I am just gutted by it. And he looked at me and said, oh good, <laughs> that's a relief. I kind of thought maybe you were like a robot or something and we were having these really hard conversations and you were like talking about the future and being super kind of cavalier about it or objective about it maybe in my mind. 
Uh, and it's just good to hear that you actually, that this has been really hard for you. And I began to realize that I probably wasn't actually processing the emotions of what was actually happening in the situation. It's not long after we happened to be in a season where we were debating my, where my wife and I were debating what we were going to do in the future and what future ministry would look like. And we had booked this weekend away in Ottawa, back in our, in the town we grew up in and uh, had booked time to visit this church that was looking to um, hire me and had all these questions come up of like, okay, so what are we doing? Like, you know, what has the last 15 years been? And tried to be really optimistic again and just kind of my usual forward-looking silver lining finding uh, personality. And uh, and then we showed up at this, this couple's house that's known us for a long time and we sat down for a meal with them and they, they just looked at us uh, with great care and said, how are you doing? What, what's, what's this season been like for you? <laughs> and it was a sneak attack, not by them, but by grief. Because my wife and I both just kind of slowly burst into tears and just said, this has been such a hard season. And we feel like something that we've cared deeply about um, is dying. And we don't know what, what that means about what we've done. And we feel like failures. And we feel, and we, we just spent three hours talking with them about all these things that were hard. And in that, that, that was the process that God used in my life to actually make me realize um, I need to actually learn to bring those things. Like I actually need to learn how to bring my hurt and my frustration and my disappointment and my grief to him. And that in so doing, um, there's actually like hope and healing and like all the future stuff that I want, that I just want to spend my life thinking about that that's going to happen. Um, like the path has to go through lament. Like it has to actually bring me through the place of actually bringing my, my present honestly before God. And uh, I remember one of the things that came out of that weekend was them asking us, how would you want God to meet you in this season? And I just said, oh, I think I would just like to know that he's with me in the midst of this. Like it would just be really meaningful to know that the Lord is with me in the midst of this season. And I think within a day or two, I was doing some devotional and the, and the psalm that came up was Psalm 34. And it talked about how God was near to the, God comforts the brokenhearted. He's near to those who are suffering. And, uh, and it was like this like bright light, loud reminder of, of God's presence with me in the midst of, of difficulty, in the midst of my frustrations and that he wasn't waiting for me to get back to a place of, life is good and easy and happy again, but that he was actually meeting me in that present space. Thanks for sharing that. I appreciate that. You, you did talk a little bit about bringing in these emotions and feeling those emotions. How, how does one engage their emotions in lament? What does it look like to, to show those emotions of grief, of anger, of disappointment? I think for me, it begins with acknowledging them. And actually, like the the feeling your feelings idea, uh, for me, uh, one of the lessons I learned in that season was, um, as somebody who's not quickly in touch with his feelings, I actually took a picture of a feelings wheel and put it in my Evernote file on my on my phone, and when crap happened, I would actually stop and pull it out and be like. 
what am I feeling right now? And I would actually just take some time to actually sit in that feeling before moving on to kind of my natural, okay, how do I think my way out of this, uh, this feeling? But it was, it was meaningful to actually just stop and recognize I need to actually stop and, and sit in this feeling, recognize it for what it is. And then journaling became really significant. So to actually journaling for me is a way to slow my, it's a way to slow my thoughts down. So my mind tends to reel and go really quickly in the midst of um, frustration or difficulty. So journaling forces me to actually slow my thoughts down by putting them on paper. I'm the opposite of Andy in so many ways because I'm like way too in touch with my emotions. <laughs> um, and they can sometimes overwhelm me. And so for me, it's been so important to realize that lament has to incorporate hope as well that lament is both lament and hope and that is essentially like faithful suffering it's like uh and and it's acknowledging like okay here's my lament um but my lament is not despair it's just my honest self in a sense and but i have to allow that hope to take like a a surgical strike sort of into the into the pain and like sort of balm the wound and and uh if i don't like take a good look at the wound i don't really know how to heal it or what hope to apply um but i've learned that like yeah i my emotions are definitely engaged um very quickly in like the lament portion and then like the hope i have to just speak those truths and allow my heart to believe it and and let let that sense of emotion of joy that that is supposed to be also a part of lament like really come into it um there's yeah like in the psalms we see both lament and um and hope where it's, it's lament lament um using i guess psalm 13 as an example like where this is going on and on how long oh lord will you forget me forever how long you hide your face from me consider me um give light to my eyes and it's just like that's where i can get stuck in terms of my emotion my emotion will pour out of me and then I have to remember, oh, yeah, there's a but. Or like in Hebrew, it's actually like this little symbol that signifies like a wind of change. Hmm. Um, and I have to I have to insert that really. Like it's that, that, that symbol has been translated as but in English a lot of times. And uh, I think that when the psalmist were penning that, they had to insert it. It's like in Psalm 13, it says, but I trust in your steadfast love. Heart will rejoice in your salvation also to the Lord. And yeah, that's how I engage with my emotions. I have to steer them. <laughs> or they just overtake me. <laughs> I have to give them some kind of yeah. I don't know how to explain that. Sorry. <laughs> that's really helpful. It's so interesting to hear how we like personality wise come at that from different angles. Because I yeah. My <laughs> I'll come home and I will need sometimes Lonnie to point out to me like did something hard happen at work today? Because you seem like maybe something hard happened and I'll stop and think about it because I'll have been angry or frustrated or just kind of brooding and, should be, and and I won't even have realized it. And suddenly I'll be like, oh yeah, that was a really miserable day. Really bad things happened and I didn't actually stop and think about them, and feel them. So I, that's so interesting the way that uh, personality wise we come at that from different angles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I really love that too, because there's so many, so many of us who deal with grief and anger and sadness in different ways, like whether we, you know, 
maybe choose that place and love to just like brood and sit in it versus seeing how God is moving and working in it or resisting that. Like, I think those, those two ways of experiencing Lament um, are just very real ways of dealing with it or, or working through it. I think I was kind of excited to hear Andy because I'm like, I am very similar in some ways. Like I also need to use a feelings wheel. And so even when people just ask me, how are you feeling? I have no idea like how to describe what I'm feeling. It's like, I actually need to see the word to be able to say, yes, that's, that's the one emotion. That one. Yeah. That's the one (laughs) because I just, I like don't know. Like I have something here, (laughs) but I don't, I don't actually have a language uh, for it. And that's where I find scripture actually really helpful because it gives me this language or uh, Dave after the dentist YouTube video also gave me a language for lament where um, I remember after my dad passed away, I was, you know, praying and I was just like, God, is this real life? Um, And the other quotes, I can't even remember them anymore from Dave after the dentist, but it's like, is this real life? Is this forever? forever? Yeah. Will it be forever? You know? And I realized that I got my language from this YouTube video (laughs) rather than the Bible. I'm like, I feel, I feel what this kid felt after dental surgery. Um, in in a very different situation, of course. But um, yeah, I, I think I also need to journal as well. But I think you're right too, Jessica, that there's a need to turn to hope and to comfort at some point um, as well. And we do see that in scripture. I love that you, you phrase it as faithful suffering. Was that it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that idea of paired with lament because I think it, um, it sometimes feels opposite to faithfulness to ask God questions or to be sad or to be angry, but to actually recognize that, that there's something very faithful in acknowledging that this life is just not what it should be, that there are things that aren't good and right in this world, that, that the life is painful um, and that it's okay to, that it's still faithfulness to turn to God in those times versus I think in other ways we can turn to other things that might not be great in our grief or healthy for us as well. So it's better to cry out to, to God who sees and who understands and sometimes feels the same way that we do as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if we, if we don't have a like, lament and we only have hope, then we're just being sort of naively optimistic. <laughs> and if we if we have only lament with no hope, which is where I can find myself sometimes mixed in my emotions, um, then I just have despair. And really, if I don't acknowledge like lament and don't have any hope at all to add to it, like I just, I'm stoic. I'm telling myself to suck it up <laughs> to sort of move on, right? That's so if I'm, the, yeah, if I'm to faithfully suffer, I need to both like, lament and, and also have hope um, in that. Mm-hmm. Jessica, earlier you actually mentioned that lament is a form of worship. Can can the two of you explain like how is lament a form of worship? I guess I, I don't see how it could be anything but worship because I ask myself sometimes when I have that sense of pain or questioning, like what could I do with those things what could I do and to bring them to God like as a Christian to to bring my authentic self before God um 
I just don't see how that couldn't be worship, how it couldn't be glorifying God in a sense that it's like, I'm going to choose to <laughs> bring all of this um, before you instead of whatever other way I could process or, or choose to, yeah, like, even in those examples I was giving previously, like either just suck it up or just like um, pretending nothing's wrong. And yeah, but to be truly authentic and before God. And I just see that it has to be a form of worship. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think there's something about um, capacity to, to glorify God that, that comes back to us bringing all of ourselves to him, bringing our whole selves to, to actually to, to trust him. And I remember somebody saying this a couple of years ago, as I was thinking about um, uh, thinking about lament and grief, they said, uh, prayer is the safest place to bring your anger. That prayer is the mm -hmm. safest place to bring your anger. Um, and that's a declaration of trust, really, like that, that actually I can bring my anger or my frustration to God. That's a, that's a distinct declaration of trust. It's a different declaration of trust, maybe than, than, than singing a, a happy poppy worship song, um, but it's a it's a declaration of trust to be able to say, God, I actually I will bring you all of all of who I am. And I, Jesse said it earlier; he already knows you're angry, like he already knows yeah. what you're actually feeling. But there's a there's an honesty of actually bringing all of who you are into that relationship with God that is actually worshipful. It's it's me bringing all of me um, to to worship the God who who is real and and actually can handle all of me like he, he can actually he can actually receive all of me mm -hmm. so I, I think i see worship um being part of lament because it reflects the fact that if we're called to to live lives of worship lives that are oriented around god and his his interest in us his care for us then then that should imply that actually we bring all of our circumstances and our our joys and sorrows to him just listening to your answers, it, it really acknowledges who God is and certain characteristics that maybe if you aren't able to bring lament up, you aren't really able to fully experience those things. Um, for example, you're just saying, you know, I can bring my whole self to God. That actually communicates who God is, the person who mm -hmm. accepts your whole self. Um, and I think there's worship in acknowledging that, that God cares that, that he is a God who cares, that he is a God who feels grief and sadness. It's a acknowledging these characteristics in him, in his his anger against the hard things in this life or um, the one who sees, the one who understands, the one who cares. I even think of, um, of Hagar in scripture and it's like the one who pursues when, mm -hmm. when we are sad, when we are oppressed. Um, it just communicates these aspects of God that maybe we forget often in life. Like if I can bring my whole self to God, that really communicates that God loves me, um, accepts me, knows me. And I think that that in itself is worship when we acknowledge his characteristics and, um, and who he is, like the real version of him as well as the real version of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And when we worship God in a way that like it's we're not because lamentation is not necessarily like asking God 
to remove the pain. It's more like acknowledging the pain. I mean, there is an element of like, please take this away for sure. But I think it's like recognizing that God stands in this moment with us. And that really like elevates God. Um, I, I think in, in, a, in a way, yeah, it worships him. It, it lifts him up. It brings out this side of God that other forms of worship I don't think can really touch. <laughs> it's like yeah. it's for someone to really say, I'm, I'm reaching out to God <laughs> in the midst of this pain. And I, I don't know whether or not it'll be taken away or not, but I'm going to keep reaching out to him. Even if it's in questioning, I'm just going to keep pursuing him. It's like, wow, at all costs in a sense, like that is worshipful. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's something, the flip side of the question that you asked, Selena, is equally frightening. What would it say about God if we couldn't actually bring our sorrow and our frustration and our anger to him? What, what kind of a God would we actually, what, what would that say about God and about our worship of him? Well, <laughs> it would imply that, that, that the God that we believe in is, is disinterested in our suffering, that he's disinterested in our pain or our heartbreak, that he's only interested in the, what we might perceive as being the good that we can bring forward to him, um, mm -hmm. but that he's disinterested in our present situation. He's only interested in a, a future idealized version of ourselves as opposed to the people that we are right now. Mm. That is a very frightening thought. Yeah, thanks <laughs> for bringing that up. But I think it really does help um, in terms of helping us see how lament actually is worship and acknowledging who God truly is. Yeah. Uh, I am curious, like you, we've talked about a season of lament that you guys have been in in the past, but how do you actually incorporate lament in your, in your life now? I, I want to be careful not to just like prescribe how, what someone else's lament should look like by answering this question, because lament is really lament and, uh, it's like I say, it's your authentic self <laughs> um, coming before God in a lot of ways. And so to be rather raw and honest with you, like my lament once, <laughs> it looked like laying down in my empty bathtub and moaning to God because there was really nowhere else in the house that fit my emotions at that moment. Um, yeah, and I needed to be somewhere away from the kids. <laughs> And it was like the bathroom was where I could shut the door. And then I was in there and I was thinking like, I just need to lay down. So I was like in the bathtub and it just, it so fit my emotions at that moment. It was like, and I was just moaning out to God. I mean, it looks so different all the time. Uh, sometimes it's just like sitting in, in a lot of quiet um, with someone though. I find it hard to be alone in those times. Um so sitting in quiet and that, yeah, I think that's what my, I don't know, lament can look so many different ways. Hmm. I do appreciate that because I, I do think like shower thoughts or, like, you know, just in the bathroom sometimes does feel like a sacred and safe place where you can all your emotions like the, the things that come to mind when you're in the bathroom like I don't know when I was a kid actually I think that was like I that was the only place that I could be sad um and I would like lock myself in the bathroom so that nobody would be able to find me and, and that would be a place 
that I felt safe to be sad. And the reason is because my brother and dad once laughed at me when I watched Dumbo. And so I didn't feel, <laughs> didn't feel comfortable crying in front of them anymore. <laughs> but anyways, that's too much information maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I resonate as well with that. Um, Jess, your comment about um, not wanting to prescribe and, and needing it to be authentic. So as uh, as somebody who is in like the school of like, I'm in like Lament 101 and still trying to figure this stuff out. I remember talking to, um, I remember talking to a spiritual director and it was, a, I think it was around the time that Lonnie's dad passed away. And, uh, and I was saying to him, yeah, I'm not great at emotions and grief and and lament and uh and I, I remember asking him so tell me how to do it <laughs> like just tell me what to do and he was like he, he actually refused which was great he's like oh i'm not gonna tell you how to do that like i was like well i've done journaling in the past uh, is, is that a good way of doing lament and he said well did it work for you <laughs> i said yeah, yeah, I did actually. That was really helpful. Like I wrote out, like I actually rewrote like a couple of different psalms and used the structure of a psalm to to mm -hmm. kind of to to guide my thinking on that. And he just said, "Good. If that works for you, then then you should do that." Like, but there, there's not a right way of uh, of doing this. It's an expression of emotion. It's a it's a bringing of yourself to God. So rather than prescribing something. Um, do something that actually that, that actually flows naturally that flows from uh, from how god's met you in that in that place don't mm -hmm. feel the need to uh, don't feel the need to get it right which is maybe uh something that i would wrongly bring into that conversation of like how i don't know how to do this so how do i do it right mm -hmm. yeah i think um because lament is just not this natural place for me I, I often actually have to choose it like there's like an active choice that I need to make to say okay like I need to just pause and and think and feel these emotions um as well as just as take that those emotions direct them towards God uh as well and, and maybe ask that question of God how do you feel about these things like are, are we on the same page or are we Am I like totally off in this? Um, which is, I think, okay to be totally off and to acknowledge them before God anyways and be like, I feel angry about things that I know that you don't feel angry about because we can bring that authentic self to him. And I think that he does meet us in that place in terms of like physical location. I actually find like going on walks help um, because it just helps th that flow as well as journaling, like some anything to get me to stay on track, I guess I need to be either writing or walking, like something to keep me focused and uh, to help those thoughts actually come out. I, I find sitting still like so hard. Uh, so um, that's just me. We did talk a little bit about the need for comfort and hope in the midst of lament. How did that come for you? And did it ever come or does it ever come when you're crying out to God? Just reflecting back on my own experience, the comfort actually came in in knowing that I could lament. Um, it was so comforting to enter into that. I mean, not that I liked it at all. <laughs> I didn't like it at all, but it was just so needed in that time. Um, and I was avoiding or didn't really know actually how to lament. How, how do I process these things with God? 
Um, maybe I was pro- I was processing them like with my husband. I was processing them with, but to process it with God was just a, a whole new learning curve. And, and I think the comfort also came knowing that God laments with me. That He's, as we've already said, like close to the brokenhearted. That, um, yeah, I I don't think I've ever set. I don't think I've ever seen God this way. But deep down, like I sometimes think he's off somewhere in his own emotional euphoria <laughs> and uh even though i know that's not true like i i don't really take to heart the verses that describe god as emotional or as being with me uh i accept them as truth but not really as a reality if that makes sense it, it's come to a whole new place to realize like he's very real <laughs> he's very with me <laughs> he is close uh, he's not often some emotional euphoria. Like it's like, oh, I know, like the spirit lives in me. Great, but it's like, no, he is very quiet, <laughs> um, and he laments with me. He also has emotion. Jess, I heard you share um, about that um, evening of lament the first time, and how one of the images that they had was bowls of water, um, representing that idea that. Um, in the Psalms that God actually captures our tears. And I, I think there's something really sick for me that that's an image that just really resonates with me. Uh, that reminds me that I'm not, lament is a reminder that I'm not suffering alone, that, that God is actually very near. And I think that's been the consistent thing. I feel like the encounter with God for me in the place of lament has consistently been around this idea, this reminder that he's actually with me, that he's, that, that, as you said, that he laments along with me, that he, that he, he captures my tears that he that he sees and that I'm not just kind of off. You actually both kind of talked about this not suffering alone. And I know for me, when I first entered into lament, I was okay to take that before God. And um, a biblical counselor at my church was like, Selena, you actually need other people as well. You need and you need to show other people that you're sad because you don't seem like a person who is sad. And I, I just had no idea what that looked like. Like he, he was like explaining to me how Job and in the Old Testament, you had people when they're lamenting, they like they tear off their clothes, they throw ashes on their face, like they sit in their filth kind of thing <laughs> um, and, and as a way to communicate to their community that they're hurting and that they need their community to come around them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how do I do this? Like, do I just like mess up my makeup, throw some like water on my face and pretend I've been falling, uh, post something on Facebook? Like, how do I actually get my community to enter in to the pain that I'm feeling and and to bring um, comfort in doing that together? I actually don't really have an answer to this question. So what do you guys think? Hmm. You know, for me, I... (laughs) I uh, I really wanted people to understand, you know, there's nothing really like meeting someone who really gets it. And uh, I remember during Felix's diagnosis, there was another good friend of mine going through treatment and I just, I couldn't wait to hug her, you know. And I, I couldn't wait for the acknowledgement of that true deep pain. And, and then I wanted everyone to respond that way. And then I began to realize like, oh, that's, that's not possible actually. Um, and I started to sort of like 
talk about lament and wanted people to understand what lament was and to engage in it with me. But even that, I mean, it, it took us a little farther, but I realized what actually involved my community was me going to church even when I didn't want to or feeling like there is no space here to lament, but I'm going to go there and I'm going to lament anyway. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 it meant being really brave in a lot of ways where it was like, I'm going to be snotty nosed in the pew, like, like crying my eyes out and I'm, and people are going to ask what's going on. And I am going to like, just allow myself to lament. I'm going to be with God and, and I think people did, they did, they started to respond in a way that they were like, oh, Jess is engaging with God. Like they, they just, as I just did it in front of them, um, that was actually what brought about like more of the, I guess, reaction that I was looking for from people. I know you brought up that lament service as well before. I think that's such a cool idea. I've never been to something specific specific like in a church context like a lament service I think in power to change we have had some lament times that have been a little bit like that but I like the visuals of those um, bowls of water to represent the tears or crying aloud and hearing other people's cries as well I think there's something really powerful in um, acknowledging together we feel sad about these things or angry about these things that I'm not alone but a, a community of believers are crying out to God. Oh, yeah. I just, I wish so much that it was involved in our in our worship, that it was seen as like, yeah, like that we could have, I don't know. I, I've often thrown out ideas too, where it's like, can we have like a side area where we like light candles and pray for areas of the world or people who are hurting or like just acknowledge the pain that's in everyone's life as we're gathered here there as a collective there is a lot of pain represented in this room and can we have like songs that we actually ask people to just like sit down and kneel close your eyes like engage in a different way where those who are mourning and are in pain would feel like oh here's where i begin to connect with god (laughs) oh i see yeah Andy, have you ever asked people to enter into your lament with you? Uh, unsuccessfully, yeah. <laughs> I mean, not in any, not in, not to the same, uh, not to the same degree as Jess. I really admire your bravery. Uh, I think in a really simple way. Uh, so we, I mean, this is such a basic thing to my life, but we send out newsletters to to people who pray for our ministry and, and support us and. Uh, Usually in those newsletters, they're encouraging and just they share positive stories of what's going on. And I remember in both a newsletter and in uh, and in a church presentation I did one time, uh, just acknowledging uh, instead of sharing like five cool stories of how God's at work on campus right now, it was like it was just an honest newsletter and church update that said this has been the hardest season that we've ever had in ministry and we're frustrated and discouraged and trying to trying to persevere through that and i remember it more just because i i remember showing up at this church and this was actually the this was the night after we uh so we showed up at this church and gave an update the night after we had had this kind of 
uh, meltdown with this couple um, where they had asked us how we were doing and we just told them how everything was falling apart and we felt hopeless and full of despair. And uh, I knew I had to do an update at their church the next morning and they would be sitting there watching me. So I thought I have to be really honest. Like, so I gave the update and just said, would really appreciate your prayers. It's been a really tough year. Felt like the one of the more honest updates that we gave. Um, and it was funny to watch how people reacted to it because they were so wired to respond positively, <laughs> like, to, like to, to shake our hand after the service and be like, hey, how's it going? Everything's going really well, right? Just love hearing what's going on with y'all and super positive. And one of, the, one, of these, uh, one of these people came up to me after the service and just great guy, love him to death. And he came up to me with that energy and was just like, hey, how's it going? Everything's going really well, right? And then he paused and he was like, oh, no, you said everything's really bad. It's <laughs> <laughs> this kind of like, oh. <laughs> and we just sat in it. And I just said, yeah, yeah, it's been, a, it's been hard. And he said, I'm sorry, it's been hard. And it was actually like just a... Was a, it's a silly, awkward moment, mm-hmm. but it was meaningful that he was willing to to not gloss over it and actually just say, "Huh, that sounds hard." Listening to your responses, it sounds like our communities actually need to learn about lament. That maybe this is something that's a bit foreign to our Canadian culture, um, and it it kind of. I think like I'm I'm pretty uncomfortable with lament, but as I just even think back to when my dad did pass away and how um, like people were actually, they were wailing in emotional response. And even like my mom was and like people would come over to our house and they would cry and I would actually just go up to my room and like watch TV or um, sneak out with a friend to go get bubble tea because it was a lot of emotion. But I think that there are other cultures that actually do um, – experience this form of lament that that seems really dramatic but actually might be ways for us to learn how to how to do it and how to do it communally as well um okay so another like part of the question in in this is when you see others who are struggling and you want to help them to enter into lament because you think that would be really good for them how do you help lead them into that and invite them into that I still want to hear how Jess is going to answer this. (laughs) Art therapy. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, I love to sit and create for sure and let people. I think creating is like another form of of language. And so that sometimes we don't have words to, to put to these things, but we can just put a mark on a paper or even crumple the paper. Um. But aside from that, my, my initial uh, thought was uh, prayer, I think. And not, not the kind of prayer that just wants to, wants God to take the pain away. I mean, those prayers, and it sounds like I'm, I'm sort of like hard on the people who, who are asking for those things. And I, I ask people to pray that way. <laughs> Trust me. I think we can enter into lament with other people as long as those prayers are yeah just very like like real in a sense that it's like you're talking about the pain that the person is going through and you're acknowledging it and you're 
And uh, I've done that a lot with people where it's just, we just, and, and with students who've gone through incredibly difficult things. And before I would have just sort of glossed over it, been like, oh, well, let me pray for you and your family. <laughs> like in a sense that it was like, oh, I want to pray in a way that's like, let's take this away from, uh, take this pain away. But now it's like, I don't want to just pray in a way that wants to take the pain away, but I want to pray in a way that I want to enter into that pain with you. So let's sit in solitude. Let's, let's talk to God about how much this sucks or um, yeah. Like just tell me what are you feeling and, uh, and acknowledge that before God. Yeah. I resonate with that. I think that idea of actually uh, being safe people for others to express what's, what's going on. And, uh, and I think modeling, um, modeling those unsafe prayers that aren't just, uh, God, take it away or God, help us to be patient or God, help us to persevere. But those, those emotional prayers of this is Lord, this is what I'm feeling. This is my heart breaks over what this person's going through. Like that actually describes the situation and, um, and allows us to sit in the emotion rather than going straight to the place of what would it look like if this were solved. So the last question is, what do you want students to take away from this discussion? I would say I want them to know that lament requires acknowledging the truth of what's happened to you. So don't minimize it. And don't believe that lament is just dramatizing it. I think this wisdom actually comes from Esther Fleece in her book. She says, um, it's not really a big deal. Our words that we will never hear come out of the mouth of God. <laughs> so when I read that in her book, I was like, I think I need to tell myself that a lot because I'll, I'll dismiss it very quickly. Um, and so I would say like, don't compare uh, your pain to others, but instead just take mm -hmm. your authentic self to God and, uh, and have, have a real relationship with him. I think I would want students to hear that your life is inevitably going to be marked by seasons of suffering and difficulty, frustration and disappointment, that normal life isn't just onward and upward and, uh, and victory after victory. And that if you actually want to persevere in walking with Jesus, one of the patterns you're going to have to learn is how to bring the brokenness of this world that you experience to him and to trust that he actually cares about that. Mm -hmm. And if you don't get to that place where you believe that Jesus actually cares deeply about the brokenness of the world and the brokenness that you experience, you, you've missed out on, on, on this major aspect of, of who God is and, and how he loves us. There's an invitation to encounter Jesus in every area of your life, including the places that feel hard and off limits and, um, and frightening. Those are equally places of encounter. If we learn the, the vocabulary or the practice of, of lament that allows us to encounter him there by bringing our, our real selves to the real God. Yeah, that's really good. It, it just sounds like it's it's a way to love 
God and take care of yourself as well as take care of those around you and love those around you. Like it, I feel like leaning into lament actually helps us love other people as well. Um, it, and it seems like there is often a lack of people who are willing to go into those areas. And so, yeah, I just think it, it sounds a lot like love to me. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you both for being here. I actually really did enjoy talking about our grief and our sadness um, because it did remind me that God sees and cares and is with me and that this is something that he is growing in all of us to help us and to help us know him and experience him deeper as well as love those in our communities as well. So thanks for being here. Thanks for the opportunity to share. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode. At the end of every episode, we do want to ask a few questions just to help you process what you've just heard. So here are our questions for this episode. Is it easy for you to enter into lament or do you resist it? Take time to reflect on your true and false self. In what ways are you not taking your authentic self to God? What truths about God stuck out to you during this episode? And what do you want to hold on to? What surprised you about lament? And how do you want to incorporate it into your life? Thank you for listening into this episode. I hope that you join in next time as well. Goodbye. <laughs>